All right. Happy Fourth of July weekend. You guys uh, had a good time last night? Let's give it up for Bob and the band. Didn't they do a great job? Yeah. We've been calling this Bizarro Sunday for uh, several weeks now, but it wasn't that bizarre, was it? You guys want to know something that's bizarre, something that's crazy? At least the craziest thing that ever happened to me was having kids. Any parents in the house? Amen to that. Seriously, I love my kids. Don't get me wrong. I love my two kids. I have a, a two-year, two-and-a-half-year-old. His name is Caleb, and I have an 11-month-old, August 2nd. He's going to be one, Joshy. Um, and so I love my kids, but, but let me tell you something. They've changed my life, all right? And, and here's the thing. When, before I had kids, when it was just me and my wife, we were single for almost four years without kids, and we planned it that way. And um, all my friends that started having kids, you know, they'd be like, hey, wait till you have kids. You know, and, and here's the thing. Coming from like a Cuban family, um, I don't know if people can identify with this, but it's as soon as you have kids, I mean, as soon as you get married, the question is, ¿Y cuando van a tener niño? You know, it's like, when are you going to have kids? Has that happened to anybody? It's like you come, it's like you walk down the aisle, you say I do, uh, they're throwing rice, it's like, ¿Y los niños cuando vienen? You know, and, and here's the thing, you know, it's, it's every holiday, it's Thanksgiving, it's Christmas, it's birthdays, and when are you going to have kids? And when are you going to have kids? And, and then all your younger friends are saying, wait until you have kids. And, and here's the thing, um, one of my buddies had a kid before we did, and, and we would hang out with them all the time. And um, I would call him up on Friday nights and be like, yo, let's go hang out. Let's go have dinner. And it's a, he's like, dude, it's like 9, 10 o'clock, man. It's like I got to put my daughter to sleep or my daughter's asleep already. I'm like, no big deal, man. Just bring her with us. I don't mind, you know. It's like, you can bring her. I'm cool. And he's like, dude, you don't understand. Wait till you have kids. And, and here's the thing. I had kids. And, uh, and now I totally understand what he's talking about. Actually, um... Not only did I have kids, but I was actually there when they were born. I remember every single thing that happened when my kids were born, as they were being born. There's things I wish I would not remember. I've tried to block certain things from my mind, but I, I can't forget them. I actually brought a picture of Joshua when he was born. That's like a couple, couple minutes right after he like, whoop, popped out, got the gunk taken off of him, and there he is. You know, I, I, I always think every, every time I've held one of my kids when they're born, I'm like, oh, they're so ugly. God, what did I do, you know? What did I do? And, and they've turned out to be beautiful boys. But um, you can take Joshi off the thing. But here's the thing. Not only do I remember the day they were born, I remember something else about them when they were born. Is that they relied 100% on my wife for their survival. You see, for nine months they were in her, her womb, and, and they obviously couldn't live without her. But then when they came out, they relied on her 100%. I mean, she provided them milk. She provided them warmth. She cleaned them. She took care of them. It's like 100% on my wife. Another thing that uh, I remember that was kind of cool, too, for a couple days, she was their identity. To the hospital, to the nurses, my, both of my children were named Baby Boy Leilani Rodriguez. That was their name for a couple days. That was their identity. They bore the identity of their mom. She gave them her identity. And, and see, all of us in this room have experienced that. We've all been born of a woman, hopefully. And, um, and, and when we were born, that woman takes care of us. She provides food and comfort and warmth. Some of you, like, oh, not me. Well, but somebody took care of you. There's no way that you just ended up in this room. Somebody nurtured you. Someone took care of you. Someone gave you a name. Someone gave you an identity. 
And now that we're older, we claim to be able to survive on our own. We claim to be able to provide for ourselves. However, there are things that we're under the impression that if we did not have them, we could not survive. There are things in our lives that we feel that if we can't obtain them, there's no way that we can make it another day without this thing. And, and I'm not talking about water. I'm not talking about food. I'm not talking about food. I'm not talking about air. It's material things. It's physical things. And I'll prove it to you. Every year I take teenagers to camp. Actually, in a couple of weeks we're, we're going to camp. And one of my rules is this. No cell phones allowed. I mean, you should see these kids when I tell them no cell phones allowed. I mean... They can't live without these things. You, you, you should see them. It's like they wake up and it's like, good morning. They text all their friends. Go, boom, boom, they're texting, man. There's probably people texting right now as I speak. All right? These kids can't live without them. And then they come to me in private. Right? And I, I see a couple of them that, that come to me in private. They think I like them better than I like the other kids. And they're like, Mark, you know, I know that it says no cell phones allowed, but, but I could bring it, right? You know, you know me. You know, I won't take You know, Mark, come on. And here's the thing, I just want them to disconnect from the world. I want them to disconnect from the boyfriends and the girlfriends and the friends and the drama and everything. Leave it at home. Let's go to camp. Let's get close to God. And you should see these kids when I say, no, dude, you can't bring your cell phone or no, girl. You can't bring your... They start to melt. Like the wicked witch from the east. They just begin to melt. They can't survive without this. And in a nutshell, that's what's happening to the world and the portion of scripture that we're going to talk about today. They're struggling to survive they're struggling for an identity. They're struggling because all the things that, they, that made them, all the things that, that made them a person and human and the security that they had has been taken from them. We're in this series that we're calling It's the End of the World as We Know It. And we're, look, we're taking an in-depth look at the book of Revelation. And today we're looking at chapter 13. And in chapter 13, I mean, this is the craziest time. We're in the middle of the Great Tribulation. And the world is a complete mess. There is huge economic crisis. Hunger has spread throughout the land. There are wars going on in chapter 8 of Revelation. Okay, all hell has broken loose. Mountains are falling into the ocean. Fire is falling from the sky. The water has turned to blood. I mean, and on top of all that, millions of people have just disappeared. Boom, disappeared off the face of the planet. Christians have disappeared. The rapture of the church has happened. And could you imagine? I mean, everything is messed up. People are hungry. People are dying. People are diseased. There's economic crisis. There's a crisis of leadership. And now millions of people have disappeared. And what's happening right now is that the world is starving for someone to come up and give them an identity. Nations have lost their identity. The world is looking for some kind of stability. The world is looking for someone to come and take control of the situation. And this crisis that's happening right now actually sets the stage for the study that we're going we're gonna to have this morning. And it's found in the book of Revelation, chapter 13, verse 1. It says this, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his head a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth was like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him power, his throne, and great authority. If I could have your attention for a minute, let me introduce you to a couple of the people that, that we're talking about this morning. 
We learned last week, and it's in your outline, it's a fill-in. The dragon is Satan. And so this dragon that is talking about here in chapter 13 of Revelation is the devil. So if Satan is the dragon, who's this beast that comes out of the water? This beast that comes out of the water is the Antichrist. And you may be asking, okay, Mark, uh, is he Aquaman? You know, why, why is he coming out of the water? Uh, why is he coming out of the sea? And, and the reason he's coming out of the sea, this is Bible typology. Every time we see coming out of the sea, we see the sea mentioned. It's always referring to Gentile nations. And so the sea means Gentile nations. And what this means to us is that the Antichrist is coming from the Gentile world. He's not coming from Israel. Gentile is everyone who is not Jewish, everyone who is not from Israel. And so the Antichrist is, come, is not coming out of Israel. There's a thought that maybe he could be Jewish, but from a European country, but not from Israel. And we also notice this, that throughout Scripture, whenever we see the word horns or horns, it's authority. There's a couple of other illustrations here of his heads and stuff like that. When Pastor Bob teaches chapter 17, he's going to go more in depth into that and a little more detail. But, but we know this, that the Antichrist is coming with great authority, and he's coming as a political figure to stabilize what's happening or somewhat bring an appearance of peace to the world in this time of tribulation. Let's continue reading in verse 3. It says, And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. And so they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. They worshipped Satan who gave authority to the Antichrist. And they worshipped the beast saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war against him? And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months, which is about three and a half um, years. Then he opened his mouth and blasphemed against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given to him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If I can have your attention, we notice that in verse 3, now something happens to the Antichrist. Something happens to this beast. And it says that one of his heads was mortally wounded. This means is that he dies. The beast dies. There's a couple of beliefs. That, there's a belief that the death is staged. There's a belief that he almost dies. And then there's the belief, which I, I lean a little bit towards, is that he dies and actually now the dragon, Satan, possesses the beast. And he comes back to life. But his wounds are healed. Okay, his wounds are healed and everyone, and his arm, he actually has a messed up eye, his eyes, right eye and his right arm is paralyzed. But here's the thing. The entire world witnesses this. Okay, I'm sure when this was written... John had no idea exactly, people had no idea how they were going to witness this, but we know with the advancements of technology that the world witnessing something like this is not impossible. I'll prove it to you. For the past couple of days, every time you turn on the news, you turn on TV, what is it? It's Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson's dead. I turned on the news this morning. I wanted to know what the weather was going to be like. I worked Friday and Saturday, so I want to hang out with my family today after church. And I wanted to know, is it possible? Is it going to rain? It's been raining like crazy. And I couldn't, I couldn't watch the weather. I, I only had a couple minutes. It was a bunch, millions of people have uh, filled out a request 
to be part of Michael Jackson's funeral. And so everywhere you go, the entire world is following the saga. People want to know where the kids are going. People want to know, is it the real will? Who's taking the money? His brothers and sisters don't love him. They just want his money. People are wondering, is Eminem going to move into Neverland? I mean, that's all that people are thinking. It's like Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson. Now imagine this right now. Those of you that text during service, you probably you get a text from one of your friends, man, put on the news, put on the news, there's a press conference, there's a press conference. We watch on TV, we see, we get posts on our, our Facebook, someone posts on our wall, turn on the TV, you're not going to believe what's happening. Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake are calling a press conference. And this is what they say at the press conference. Michael Jackson was dead, but now he's alive. The whole world would know this. Not only is he alive, but you know what? Michael Jackson is here. Here he is, and he comes out. This is Thriller! You know, he, all over again. The entire world would know this. The entire world has been following the king of pop. And now, this figure, this antichrist, dies and comes back to life. I believe the entire world would know this immediately. And you know what's going to happen? The entire world is going to worship the beast. The entire world is going to say, who is greater than the beast? Who is able to wage war against the beast? And now he will ultimately take the stage and begin to speak against God. And I know what some of you are wondering. It's like, how can people follow a beast, man? That thing's scary. If I would hear about that thing, I would hide. I would hide under a rock. That thing is ugly. That thing is big. It looks like something out of a Harry Potter movie with a bunch of heads and stuff. And here's the thing. You know, the way that John describes them in the book of Revelation is kind of scary. And that's because God wants us to know. He wants to warn the world who he really is. He's a beast. He's disgusting. And he's going to deceive the world. But let me tell you something. He will be a man. Not only will he be a man, but he will have the charisma of a John F. Kennedy. He will have... The likability of, of a Ronald Reagan and the oratorical skills of like a Winston Churchill. This guy is going to have the entire world wrapped around his finger. And it says that blasphemy is written on him. He's going to be a liar. He's going to speak against God. He's going to confuse and lie to the entire world. I love the way the book of 2 Corinthians describes Satan. He says this. It says, it's no wonder that even Satan tries to make himself look like an angel of light. The devil disguises himself. Think about it. Would you commit some of the sins that you commit if Satan showed up, dressed up like those Holly, ha- Halloween costumes, you know, ah, all scary and stuff, or like some scary movie? No, we'd run. But he deceives us. He lies to us. And that's exactly what the Antichrist is going to do during this time. He's going to pretend to provide peace. Let me tell you a little something about this passage of scripture that we're talking about today the same way that we believe in a trinity father son and holy spirit there is a demonic diabolical unholy trinity that is described here in chapter 13 of revelation and it's satan imitating god wanting to be god we know that's why he was thrown out of heaven and then we have the antichrist a figure of christ anti-jesus second part of that trinity so if if uh, the Antichrist is like Christ and Christ is the Son, then you better believe it, that this guy's going to be sharp. This guy's going to be slick. This guy will confuse the world. And the fact is this, I believe that we've never been closer to the end of times. I believe today 
that we're close. I mean, it's obvious because this was written 2,000 years ago, so we're 2,000 years closer. But there's so many things going on, advancements in technology. I mean, everywhere we go, I mean, Facebook, Twitter, texting, cell phones, GPS tracking. My phone, every time I try to find an address, it says, can we, uh, do you allow us to, like, locate your, or to locate you or to map your location or something? And so all of a sudden, AT&T knows exactly where I am. And at first it freaked me out. Now I'm used to it. Now I'm used to AT&T knowing wherever I am. You know what I mean? And, and this is the advancements of technology. And like this, there's so many more things happening in the world. Even in the way that politicians are, are communicating to their followers and communicating to the people in their country. I mean, if you'd go to a church in Hialeah full of 50 and 60-year-old Cuban Republicans, they'd probably say this guy is the Antichrist. And I, I don't believe that Barack Obama is the Antichrist. But let me tell you something about him and, and his administration and just the time that we're in right now. The, the way that they're using technology has never been done before. I mean, the president Twitters, the White House Twitters. Twitter is this thing, it's like what you're doing now, and so you, it's kind of like this like micro-blogging. And, and the way, I mean, his podcast, before presidents, they had the fireside chats, they'd have like this radio uh, like address every week. Nobody would listen to that. But now they're using technology to reach the entire nation. Not only is the nation watching this podcast, it's the most viewed video online every single week. The president addresses not only America, but addresses the world. And I believe that things like this are paving the way for a world leader to communicate immediately with everyone in an instant, the way that time travels. And so, yeah, there he was kind of mad. Look at that guy there. He's kind of funny. So, so yeah. And here's the thing. I, I talked about the diabolical trinity, and there's Satan, the dragon, and there's the Antichrist. So there's with the trinity, three, there's got to be someone else. And let me introduce him to you. We keep reading here in uh, Revelation 13, verse 11. It says, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon, and he exercised all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Another beast? You guys think, so there's two antichrists, Mark? Um, uh, you know, what, what's going on here? And no, there's not two antichrists. Actually, let me explain it to you this way. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he promised to send the Holy Spirit, the third person, of the Trinity. And so, and that's in John 14. And then the other beast named here is not another Antichrist, but rather the false prophet. And he is to the Antichrist, like the Holy Spirit is to Jesus. And so you can fill that in in your outline. Beast coming out of the earth is the false prophet. And you may be asking, uh, why didn't this one come out of the water? I mean, what's going on? You know, isn't he another beast? And, and here's the thing. That's another Bible typology. Whenever you see coming out of the earth or land. And, and we know when, when the Bible talks about the land, it's usually talking about the land of Israel. So whenever we see that, the earth, the land, the Bible is talking, it's referring to Israel. And what this leads us to believe is that the false prophet is going to be Jewish. He's going to come out of Israel. And his primary focus is going to be to deceive the people of Israel. We also notice another thing about him is that he has two horns like a lamb. So the false prophet comes across as a lamb. What this means is that he seems to be humble. He seems to be gentle, whereas the Antichrist is a political leader. 
The false prophet is going to be a religious, a religious leader. He's going to be a religious man. He's going to be like the PR guy for the Antichrist, the public relations guy for the Antichrist. And you see, the primary role of this false prophet is going to be to point people to the Antichrist. It's to, we see it here very clearly where he says he causes people to worship the Antichrist, causes people to worship the beast. If we continue reading, there's also a great, great illustration here um, in 1313. It says, he performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the land, on the earth, in sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth or land by those signs which he granted to do in the, in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth or the land to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He, granted, he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. There's a, a great reference. If we, if we look back, this, this prophet now, this false prophet, is doing a sign in the presence of, of the people of Israel. And the people of Israel are looking at this, and they're remembering there was a prophet in the Old Testament that made fire fall from the sky, right? It was the prophet Elijah. And there is a prophecy, an end-of-time prophecy to the people of Israel in the book of Malachi, chapter 4, verse 5, that says this. It's in your outline. It says, Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. Now the Jewish people see this prophet that's making fire fall from the sky, just like Elijah. And they're like, This is Elijah. You know, the, the, what, what's going on here? And, and the Jewish people, we've got to understand that right now, the Jewish people are desperate for peace. They're desperate for some type of leader to come into their land and solve their issues. I mean, that's no, this is not hidden from anyone. This is not new news to anyone. Jewish people are desperate for something to happen in their land. And could you imagine in the time of the Great Tribulation, they're looking for someone. And finally, there is somebody that's claiming to solve their problems. There's someone performing miracles and saying, worship the beast that died and came back. And, and now this is like a picture of Jesus. Now the, the Jewish people have their Messiah. I, I heard in the news that one day this Jewish man said that if there would be someone who came and solved their problems, even if it was the devil, he would worship him. That's how bad things are in Israel. And see... This false prophet will actually build an image of the idol of the beast, an I the image of the Antichrist in the temple of Jerusalem, and says, whoever does not worship this image will be killed. And after he, he does this, he sets up another system, and I, I want to share this with you. Check out what he does. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand, or on their forehead. And that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark. Or the name of the beast. Or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For it is the number of man. His number is 666. Wow. We've all heard songs about 666. There's been movies that came out of 666. There's actually a kid in our church that was born on June 6, 2006. There's all these theories about the 666. There's, there's all this debate on what is it going to be. And some people think it's a tattoo. I brought a guy that has a tattoo of the, of the 666. 
And some people think it's going to be like a barcode tattoo. Um, I don't know. And, and other people, this is a very, very popular belief, but we're not sure. But a lot of people think it's going to be something like this, like a microchip. It's, this microchip uh, exists. It's about the size of a grain of rice, and, and it can be implanted into your skin. Okay, and, and there's no need for batteries or anything like this. thing runs off of, like, biometrics or some weird scientific thing that I'm not qualified to talk about. But, but check this out. And, and this thing can track where you are. It ha- holds all your information. Everything about you is on this chip. And, and I see all this stuff. I mean, tattoo, that's been going on for a long time. And, and barcode, you know, that came up uh, several years ago. And, and, and this chip, and I'm looking at, man, these are all signs that, that this could happen any day. The technology is here for, for something like this, for a type of mark to happen. There's even a, a guy, a, a Puerto Rican guy, to, to my surprise, that has a church not too far from here that claims to be the Antichrist. Not only does he claim to be the Antichrist, um, he, all his followers are like tattooing themselves with 666. And, and who would have thought from Puerto Rico? I mean, I don't know any Puerto Ricans here. Alex, you know him? You know, I, I don't know. But, hey, I would have never thought that the Antichrist was coming out of Puerto Rico, but, but he thinks he's the Antichrist, okay? And there's people, uh, you know what? He could be crazy. So what? It's the people that give him money, the people that go to their church, the people. I've seen people with 666 tattooed on themselves. And it's like, those are the crazy ones. Forget the guy. I mean, the guy is, could be a genius. You know what I mean? And so the world is looking for something. That's what that tells me. The world is looking for something. The world is looking for someone. Another thing, one of the most important things to, to the people that this mark is going to do, and we see here that people won't be able to buy or sell without the mark. And, and when this was written, I'm sure the people that heard this like, yeah, that's going to happen one day. You know, but they're there going with their six eggs to the guy that has a farm to get some grain, to make some bread. I mean, this was a, a society where people exchanged in, in commodities. And then, you know, several hundred years ago, people using cash, you know, and then checks came out, and so a little less cashless, and then credit cards came out, and it's like, oh, yeah, we're moving a little bit closer to cashless society. For there not to be a transaction of monies for goods. And and I'm going to confess something to you guys today. I don't pay any of my bills. Um, I haven't paid bills in months or years. My entire, like, mortgage, tithe, insurance, everything is automatic. It just happens. I set it up one day and I walked away. And they haven't come looking for me, so what's happening? You know what I mean? It's cashless. And I was telling my grandfather about this the other day, and I'm like, Abuelo, you know, you have Bank of America. Why don't you just set up uh, automatic and you don't have to worry about this? Because he has this ledger, you know? And he, he shows me. He's proud of his ledger. He has, here's the receipt of your mother's high school ring. You know, he has everything. And, and I'm like, Abuelo, like... You know, what's going on, you know? And, and I'm like, I just do everything online. He goes, no, 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 no. You know, I, you know they're going to steal my identity. I, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. You know, he's like, you know, I lost a lot of money in the stock market once. And I'm, not, and I'm like, oh, well, the stock market and online banking, two different things. <laughs> you see? And for older people, even some of us, the thought of, of not having cash money is like, it's kind of weird. But as you see, as, as, as the younger people start growing up and becoming older, they become a little more accustomed to technology. See, I, I don't know how to play video games, and a lot of people my age play video games, but like every single kid born right now knows how to play video games, knows how to deal with electronics and stuff like that. My two-year-old, I mean, he grabs my iPod. He, he almost broke my, my iPhone so many times that 
we got a, bought a computer, got a free iPod Touch, and it's his. You know what I mean? And, and so he's two years old, and he knows how to turn it on, knows how to play games, knows how to put stuff on there. We hear Bob talking about Mia all the time, how she does all this stuff with, with her iPod or his iPhone. And, and could you imagine when my son's 20 years old, 25 years old, and they tell him, hey, you know what? No more cash money. He'll be like, yes. You know, I hate carrying that paper around in my pocket. And so as time progresses, people are going to be a little more accustomed to this cashless. And, and not just people, but think about the IRS. You know, we live in Miami, Hialeah, this area down here, Carroll Carol City, all that stuff. And, you know, people cut our lawn and they're like, wait, you know, pay me cash. You know what I mean? I'll charge you less or I won't charge you tax. And people doing stuff under the table, under the table. Could you imagine once, you know, everybody has a mark, there's a cashless society, the IRS is going to love that. Governments are going to love that. It's going to be like a savior. Not only that, but crime. How are people going to buy drugs, you know? I don't think crack dealers take checks, you know, or crack dealers aren't walking around with credit card machines and stuff. And so that's going to eliminate so many things. And people are going to look at this as a positive, a positive thing. But besides the mark and, and, and the seeming advantages of this mark, the true problem with it is the allegiance that people will be pledging to the beast. You see, that's, that's the real deal. It doesn't matter if it's a microchip, a tattoo, or it's that now people are saying, this is who I love. This is who I am aligned with. This is my identity. And isn't that what the world wanted? Isn't that what the world in the middle of this disaster wanted was something, someone to give them an identity. And now they have it. And the truth is this, we're living in the last days. See, this microchip, my dog has a microchip. My grandma lost her dog, and it was found like two counties from here at some like um, vet. And the vet scanned the dog, and it's like, this isn't your dog. This dog belongs to some lady on 57th Street. And so my grandma got her dog back, you know. So technologies are here. If a dog has it, how, much, how hard can it be to put it in a person? The Internet, so many things that we love, things that I love, things that I sometimes think I can't live without, advantages that we have, are just pointing to us that the coming of Christ is at hand. It's all over the Bible, but today it's more real than ever. And in these last days, the real important question is, who are we living for? Who are we worshiping? Where does our identity lie? You see, a lot of us, by the way that we live and the things that seem important to us, the truth is that we are aligning ourselves with anti-Christ. There are things in our life, things that we feel that we can't live without, that go against Christ. The Bible tells us this, that by our fruits, we will be known. What does that mean? That by the things that you do, the things that you think that you need, by the way that you act, people will know what is important with you because of the things that you're spending your time doing. People know who you are by the things that you do. And here's the deal. Many of us today are thinking, you know what, I don't serve anybody. I don't work for anybody. I don't, I'm, a, I'm self-employed. I, I, don't, I don't serve anyone. There's others of you today, man, I serve Jesus. I, I, I serve God. And here's what the Bible says in Romans 6, that you either serve sin or you serve God, but you serve somebody. So those of you that are under the illusion that you don't work for anyone, you serve somebody. 
And the problem with the spirit of Antichrist is that it deceives us into thinking that there is something that we can do on the outside. There's something that we could do in this physical world that could bring us assurance, that could bring us peace, that could give us an identity. Let me, let me tell you a little story about me. When I, when I was a kid, seven, eight years old, my parents would leave me home by myself. Some of you thinking, bad parents. I guess different times or whatever. But my parents would leave me home by myself for a couple hours or whatever. And I would be scared as a kid. You know, my dad would say, tu eres un hombre. You know, and, and I'd be scared as a kid. And this is what I would do. This is how I would, would cope in this time. I had a ninja suit. All right? It was one of my Halloween outfits. And then towards the end, it didn't fit that well. It was more like Kung Fu Panda, not like a ninja. But that's besides the point. I had this ninja suit. And when I had the ninja suit, I believed that if anyone would break into my house, they were out of gas. Okay, my dad actually had like a like a sword, a samurai sword, like it was a um, like an ornament in the house, and I would grab it and put it in my back, and and I'd be like all over the house, you know. I'd make these cardboard um, Chinese stars, and I, el que se meta aquí is out of gas, you know. That that was like me. I felt confident. Here's the truth: if anybody would have broken into my house, I would have been out of gas. I would have been the one in trouble because the truth is this. Regardless of what I had on, I could have had a ballerina suit or a monkey suit. I was just a kid, alone in a house. And you see, the same thing happens with you. You think that you can find happiness by what's going on around you. You think you can find happiness by the house you live in, the community you live in, because your kids, you could put your kids in some so-and-so Christian school, and the only reason they're in that Christian school for real is so that you can tell your friends at the gym and at, at work, hey, my kid goes to such and such Christian school. And we're under this illusion that we have control of what's going on around us. The same way that I would transform myself into this kid ninja, you try to transform yourself. You try to give yourself the illusion of happiness. You're trying to find a true identity. And what's happening is that you are becoming a slave. See, and I'll prove it to you. At one point, you worked hard for your kids. You worked hard for your family. You worked hard to, you know, give yourself a better life. And you worked for all those things. And, and then you started acquiring more stuff. And you got more stuff. And you got more things. And these are the things that really make me happy. But these things didn't make me happy. So I need more and more and more. And now you want to spend more time with your kids. But there's no time. You want to spend more time with your friends and your family. There's no time because the person that you serve needs to get paid. And so you continue working and you continue working and you continue serving that false identity. You continue serving that, that spirit of Antichrist. Because if you don't, they'll come knocking at your door. If you don't, they'll turn the light off. They'll kick you out of the gym. They'll kick your kids out of that Christian school. And some of you are thinking, man, you know, Mark, I'm not attached to material things. It's not me. I don't even have a job. You know, I'm 16, 17 years old or, or I just like to like live like whatever. You know, I wear the same clothes all the time and, and eat leftovers. It's not me, but, but maybe with you it's, it's your attitude. Maybe with you it's, it's a drug addiction or, or an alcohol addiction or a sexual addiction. Maybe with you it's just your pride. And that is who you're serving. That is your identity. And you, let me tell you something about this false identity. This false identity is worshiping other things. It's worshiping something else that's not God. It's worshiping someone else that's not Jesus. This lifestyle of Antichrist. That's what it is. And somebody thinking, Mark, the Antichrist, that's in Revelation 13. You know what? No, the Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist is here today. The Bible says this. The same John that wrote the book of Revelation wrote this in 1 John 4, 3. He said, the spirit 
of Antichrist, which you have heard, is coming and even now is already in the world. Think about that. You, you claim to be Christians. You guys are here today. That makes That ticks the devil off. And he tries to do whatever he can to take you away from Jesus. And he provides this facade of happiness. The media attacks us wherever we go. I mean, in a plane, there's magazines, Sky Mall. You know, I mean, they try to sell you stuff. They try to get you wrapped in in this fake lifestyle. And that's Satan attacking us. And not that any of these things are bad. Houses and communities and Christian schools. None of these things are bad. What's bad is when we live for those things. What's bad is when we rely on other things other than Christ to provide us with an identity. And so what we need to do as followers of God, as people who want to better our lives, it's to find an identity in Jesus Christ, to find our identity in Christ. And how do we do that? The first way that we identify with Jesus is by renewing our mind. We need to renew our mind. We need to change the way that we think. We need to stop believing the lies that we're hearing. We need to stop acting like we used to act before. I love the way the book of Romans describes it. It says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good and pleasing and perfect will. God's saying, don't fit into the mold of this world anymore. You weren't designed, you weren't created to fit in there. It's like a square trying to fit into a circle. Okay, we were not designed to be like this world. We were designed in the image of God. We were designed with the identity of God. And yet, so many times we're trying to fit ourselves into this mold. No wonder people are depressed, people are sad, people are desperate, people are doing crazy things. People can never find happiness in this because you were not designed to live life that way. You were not designed to live in that mold. And God is telling us here, renew your mind. Change the way that you think. Stop believing those lies. Hebrews 12.1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. God is telling you here, hey, all that stuff that's wearing you down, all that stuff that's driving you crazy, that fake identity that you have, so many people walking around with fake IDs, get rid of it, destroy it, Get it out of the way because all that it's doing is it's getting in the way of your life and your happiness and your joy. And ultimately, it's getting in the way of your relationship with Jesus. The second thing that we need to do is we need to resist temptation. When temptation is thrown in our face, when the attacks of the enemy, when that spirit of Antichrist comes to mess up our life, we need to resist it. And this is how we resist temptation we need to submit ourselves to god james 4 7 says submit yourself to god resist the devil and he will flee from you guys it's real simple it's a super simple formula just submit yourselves to god and he promises if you resist the devil he will run one quick little insight i I love this verse and especially in this topic Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. There's not maybe, there's no ifs. So that means if you're a Christian, you accept Christ before this time that we're talking about. Before the rapture of the church, that means you're not going to be there. 
You submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The Antichrist, the dragon, the false prophet, they can't do anything with you because you're not going to be here. Another cool thing, too, a little insight on, on that Jesus is going to take his church before these times is that the gates of hell shall not prevail against us, against you. And so all these attacks and madness that's going to happen in the time of the tribulation will not touch the church. The third thing that we need to do to have an identity with Christ is to be faithful in all circumstances. Regardless of what's happening around us, we need to be faithful. I mean, it's it's a fact. We're, We're humans. I mean, we all live in the same area. I know that sometimes we wake up and we wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Things aren't going the way we like it. Some people lose their jobs. The value of your house has gone down. Kids are getting in trouble at school. Kids are, are being disrespectful. I mean, a lot of bad things happen. You don't like your job. And, and, and it's tough in every circumstance to have faith in God. It's tough to, like, fall back on the stuff that we know to be true. It's not easy. It's not something that comes natural to us. But check out what God tells us in Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. Not in some of your ways, not like, you know, when things are going good. You know, he's saying in all your ways, when your teenage daughter misses her curfew, trust in the Lord. When you don't know where your husband is, trust in the Lord. When you lose your job, trust in the Lord. When things are going bad, trust in the Lord. And he promises that he will direct your path. And this is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. John 16, See, Jesus knew we were going to have tough times. He knew that times were going to be tough. And he said this to us. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. God is telling you today, I know that times are tough. I know that there are moments of sadness, moments of anxiety, moments when you don't know what tomorrow is going to be like, but in those moments, have faith in me. In those moments, trust me. In those moments, be faithful. And everything else is going to be okay. Life is going to be okay. I'm going to take care of it. Let me take care of it. Jesus is telling all of us here today that he loves us. And he wants to give us an identity. He wants us to align with him. See, for a lot of you here today, it's real simple. You have these three things to have an identity with Christ. And then we make it very practical for you every single Sunday to take a next step to become more like Christ. And I'd like to invite everyone in this room to pull out their connection card. And I believe that every single person in this room, everyone, every single person here has a next step to take. That's not just something that Tanya says or the other hosts say. I believe we believe as a church that everyone has a next step to take. And for you today, the way that you can become more like Christ, the way that you can have an identity with Jesus is simply by being baptized. And there is right there on, on your connection card, be baptized on July 6th. Some of you have not been baptized. You say that you're Christians, but you've never taken that step and have been baptized. Maybe as a child you were baptized, and that's great. Your parents wanted to dedicate you to Christ, but now as an adult, it's your opportunity to say, I died to my old self, and now I am born again in Christ. And I would just invite you to check that off. 
For others of you, Christians, trying to follow God, but you know what? It's been a while since you memorized any type of scripture. And your challenge today, your next step is to memorize Romans 12, verse 2. And others of you, you're, you're memorizing scripture, or maybe just memorizing one verse. That's like, you know, you guys need to take it even a step further. And you need to know why you believe the Bible. You need to know why you're a Christian. You need to know why when someone comes against you, that's just a book written by man, you know. We provide a class. We do this every summer. It's called the Calvary Institute. And on July 26th, Pastor John is going to be teaching a class, July 26th, August 2nd, and the 9th. And he's going to tell you why you should believe the Bible. And there is a lot of people in this room that I believe their next step today is to check that off and say, I'm going to attend that class. I'm not going to worship myself or my couch or, or my TV. I'm going to go to this class. I'm going to make a sacrifice. And for three weeks, I'm going to go and I'm going to learn why I believe the Bible. For others of you, today, maybe you've been walking with Christ for some time, but you've been doing things that you know aren't correct. You've been acting in certain ways that you know you shouldn't be acting going to places you know you shouldn't be going to, hanging out with people that are just bringing you down and tearing you away from Christ. And your next step today is to recommit your life to Jesus and say, Jesus, I give, I give my life 100% to you. I'm sorry that, you know, I've been messing up. And that's your next step today. Is I'm going to recommit my life to Jesus. And then the last thing, there's, there's some of you here today that are like, Mark, that's great, memorizing Scripture, being baptized, but... What I really need today is to begin a relationship with Jesus. Man, that stuff about the end of the world is freaky. I definitely don't want to be here for that. You know, I want to start walking with Christ today. I want to give my life to Jesus. How do I do that? This is how we're going to do it. I'm going to invite everyone to just bow your head right now. And I want everyone to help me pray this prayer. And I want you to pray this prayer from the bottom of your heart and say, Dear God, here's my life. And so let's pray. Let's bow our heads and, and let's pray together. And let's say this. Say, Dear God, I come to you today and I say that I'm sorry for the mistakes that I've made, for the sins that I've done. Forgive me. Jesus, I believe that you died for me and that you are alive today. Take my life. I am yours. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen.